Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Brenton Not On Tour Quarantine Cast. So far, he's taught you about good coffee. Damn, Jimmy, this is some serious gourmet shit. Good music. I'm like this, you know, and then that becomes your thing. Music just does that. And the secrets to good travel. Exits. Okay, there's one back here. And there's uh, probably one over by the wing somewhere. Now, thanks to COVID-19, he's here to make sure that you're all good during this time of social distancing and self-isolation. So sit back and enjoy as he broadcasts from any number of exotic locations like Costa del Balconia, La Isla del Garage, Playa del Living Room, and the always magical Puerta Bacchiarda. And don't worry, he's already had the coronavirus. And beat it. Still, maybe keep a mask handy. Here's BD. Yes, it is return of the quarantine cast this week with my very awesome guest, Daryl Hers of Indie Week Canada. That's happening November 10th to 14th in the city of Toronto. And all over the world and online, because they've had to go there this year and uh, change it up a little bit. But what is Indie Week? You're going to have to check it out for yourself, IndieWeek.com. But it is a go-to, must-go-to if you're an independent band or any band looking for guidance, agents, managers. You want to jump into some panels. You want to learn a thing or two about how to promote your products, how to you know put music out in today's age. All of it, all available to you, Indie Week, November 10th to 14th. Uh, by this week's guest, Daryl, and also he's a director of marketing for CD Baby, and uh, they are a completely, completely online digital resource for musicians, so uh, I recommend you check it out. Uh, he's an expert on the independent music scene in Canada and around the world, and he made some time to come on and talk about all of it this week. Now, towards the end of the interview, we start talking about this amazing fund called the Unison Benevolent Fund. They helped me out in this time uh, when things were a little wacky. Uh, well, it's still wacky, but they helped me out anyways as far as people out of work and um, you know, sent a couple of bucks our way to kind of put food on the table and all the rest of it, and I thought it was really awesome, and I feel like I want to give some of that back. So Daryl, you know, came you know, to the forefront and uh, supported me by coming on this podcast. So I'm going to support him. And I've purchased five passes to go to Indie Week, November 10th to 14th. Now, we're not just going to give them away for nothing. You got to do the classic. You got to like, you got to share, you got to get it out. We're going to keep an eye and we're going to keep a tally online on who's doing it, tagging us and everything. And the people who do it the most, well, they're going to win passes to check out Indie Week, November 10th to 14th online. Man, I I'm, I don't want to keep one for myself, but I'm going to give it away, and I'll have to just buy another one. So check it out, IndieWeek.com, November 10th to 14th. My guest, Daryl Hers. We're going to chat about it all this week on the returning quarantine cast. Here we go. Uh, just in time to talk about the state of the music industry, as well as these leading up to a very busy time in his life. Uh, Daryl Hers, how are you from... Indie Week Canada, as well as CD Baby Man. How's it going? 
Uh, things are really crazy, as you said, and uh, pretty exciting. So thanks for having me here. So you're leading into Indie Week, which we'll dive into um I'm fascinated by Indie Week because I used to go to Canadian Music Week uh, when I was uh, in a band way back in the day. And and just that process and getting selected, it was so exciting. And I'm sure it's all changed for you. So there's so much to dive into. But before we get going, uh, your publicist told me that you were a coffee head and I need to know if you've got one on the go right now. Uh, actually, I think during these times I'm on the five hour energy shot uh, <laughs> train right now. And uh I think I was on those. I, I used to be on those, and then I discovered coffee, and that was it for me. Yeah, on certain days I do the uh, salted caramel mocha right now from uh, Starbucks, and a five-hour energy shot. So yeah. lots of sugar, lots of caffeine, and lots of vitamin B. I guess you got a go-to coffee place where you are. Um, well, Starbucks is close. I, I know it's not the best, but it's what's convenient right now. Gotcha. Well, you know, you can go to those all over the world and uh, get the pike and it's, you know, or an Americano. It's hard to mess that up. So anyways, uh, welcome to uh, this show. Um, I, uh, huge, you know, music based show. Generally, I try to do a lot of music chats with different guys. And um, in this particular case, we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening with the state of the business right now. And I'm sure you're getting a lot of requests as you head up to major corporations that uh, deal directly with independent music and things like that. So first and foremost, uh, let's get going with like where you got rolling on this thing. So you've got, you've got quite a busy background and now you've kind of, you're with Indie Week and CD Baby, but take me back to, you know, the the beginning of, of this for you, that journey of, the music how it started for you um it's it's really kind of like you know all the way back as grade six is somehow i knew music was what i wanted to do period and uh it was i had to fight for it like uh, you know i was going to grade seven i'm like oh cool they've got music as a course and they're like cool saxophone and i'm like no i want to play guitar so um i fast forward i eventually went through college for music taking guitar and composition, uh, was in bands. I grew up in Edmonton. We moved to Toronto because this is where the music industry was. Yeah. Uh, my band basically quit and went back to Edmonton. So I was here in Toronto by myself and I kind of just had to hustle. Uh, during that time, I've been a booker for venues. I've managed bands. Uh, how long, you, how long have you been in Toronto for? Uh, since 95. 95. So, been, so, I mean, in it. Yeah, like I've seen the whole like Queen Street scene and yeah. all everything. So, um, and I did a portion of it, uh, you know, being a broke musician to try to save costs. I took desktop publishing, you know, let me make my own posters and CD covers. But uh, I actually ended up getting hired like a few weeks after I finished that course on freelance gigs. Uh, and I've been actually self employed ever since. And that was about 96. Um, it's crazy, but I, I've done like I helped Canadian Tire launch their website. I uh, with Live Nation, I worked as a freelancer for eight years, and I actually rebranded the company. Um, I did launch VIP Nation with them and worked on 
so many projects. It's, it's really crazy. Small world. I do a lot. I mean, that's what I do, you know, full-time is basically when there was a full-time in our business was running concerts for uh, touring all over this fine planet of ours. So uh, certainly familiar with your work. So, and I deal with VIP nation all the time. So look at that, you know? Yeah. So, so I've always had the digital side kind of kicking in the background. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as things are right now, I'm kind of like now in my element even more, which is kind of exciting. But uh, uh, during that, I started Indie Week. Indie Week uh, that was around, I think it was 2003. Like, this is like our 18th year, I believe. Like, it's crazy. It's been so long. Uh, and it was starting as a hobby. Like, it wasn't meant to be as it is right now. It just kept growing. And like, it was just literally meant to showcase new emerging artists in Toronto, get them in front of some industry or help educate them. And it just kept growing and internationally more and more interest. And then we started doing stuff in Ireland and then we moved it to UK. And then I've been doing stuff in Brazil. Uh, it's, it's really been a crazy ride. Like uh, to think of like, I think our first year we had six venues and 40 bands uh, last year, I think we were at 230 artists and 25 venues. Uh, it's crazy. That idea that comes out now, Canadian uh, Music Week in Canada, North by Northwest uh, uh, was all coming up. North by Northeast, there was uh, South by Southwest. There's all these different uh, things. Where did, you know, that getting that started as far as Indie Week? Hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. That must have been, you know just throw it against the wall and see if it's going to stick. Was that sort of the idea first? And, and then it kind of ballooned from there. Or did you actually get a lot of support leading into that to kind uh, of help you? I was really lucky. I was booking a, a venue called the B side, which uh, was on top of Fez Batik, uh corner of Peter and Richmond. So I was dealing with bands all the time. Um, and there I had a, a support from Amsterdam brewery, and they supported Indie Week at the start for the first few years. So I had a sponsorship right away to help launch it, which was great. Um, and I was booking at a shows across town, so I also knew a lot of the venues. So it actually was really easy to start. I called six venues. They said yes, and I put the word out, and bands applied, and it wasn't that hard. Um, when it gets to, like, 25 venues, then there's politics and... Um, all this kind of stuff that that goes into it but yeah it was it was launch it and it was in response to locally artists weren't being represented at a lot of festivals like really good artists were being overlooked and not getting in and uh you know as i've i've sort of learned over the years there's a lot of politics involved i'll get back to like mm -hmm. put that word in there again and often it is who you know or um you know certain things that get you in the politics and... side of it never i mean especially when i mean it's the classic like well sure you know there's all these indie bands that are really really close to signing or they've already signed but still considered indie but have agents and then you know you want bigger acts but then you need to take the other acts and then so it's a it's a thing right and that must have drove you a little crazy yeah, it, it did. Like, cause, well, that was why I started it though, because like I was working with some acts and like none of them could get into some of these festivals. And, and like we we're selling out clubs, like we're drawing people, but just could not get that attention. So, so that was a reason for it. And then, um, 
you know, as going forward, like I said, it was like just a hobby at the start and it just kept kind of growing. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to see how that process goes. Cause at the very start, people would be like, so you're like Canadian music week. No, we're different. Oh, so then you're like North by, uh, no, we're different. And they're like, well, what artists are playing? And I'm like, well, that's the point. You need to discover them. Like, these are the new artists. And, and that's the point. And, 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 you know, it was about five years of just trying to change mindsets of people in the sense that uh, people like to compare things and people like to yeah. similarity with things. And so to ju- just go against the grain and go, it's about discovering new artists uh, Which is so, difficult to do now with like the fact that radio's dying, and that there's mm-hmm. really, I mean, we had a great that that stretch through, you know, ninety four to two thousand was crazy, right? For I mean, well, anytime, but really that ninety, let's say ninety two, probably all the way up to two thousand, as far as indie, that really crazy scene that was happening on queen but in toronto across the country bands just going gold in toronto like you know things like that but radio was so prominent then and and you literally would listen to the radio to find out where you were getting your information from and it's like hey this is happening this is happening this is happening in this particular case with radio going away if we fast forward it to now it's still a little bit there but i mean it's got to be double hard trying to promote that out in today's current culture. Yeah. And also uh, during that time, remember much music was around and videos were really heavy. So uh, there, there was places to aspire. Like if I could get my song here, mm-hmm. then something could happen. Right. And and now it's, that's even harder. Um, it's very DIY. Uh, so if anything, yes, I feel it's a bit harder for artists in the sense that there's so much out there right now. Like, how do you, how do you get found as like, this is my YouTube video against millions of YouTube videos and same thing on Spotify. I know, and I rec- recall you like, know? you know, when I played in a band back then it was like, all right, we got to get a song and we got to get it to edge one Oh two or whatever, or 97, seven or, or the wolf in Peterborough or something. And every market had theirs. Right. Yep. And it was all about making friends with the jocks. If you can get a guy that like totally loves your band, maybe they'll play you. And then they had the indie shows. And then, then it was like, we're on the radio on Thursday. Right. Yeah. And, you, and you, and you would jump on that like crazy and promote their shit out of it. And then maybe you had a show at Lee's palace and, and it was just, there was this step of, if you followed these things, then maybe it would lead to something else. And now it just seems it's like, do whatever. I, I, I mean, is there a, <laughs> is there a playbook anymore? And you see this from Indie Week, like, but is there a playbook anymore to try to break an act? Uh, yes, but most people don't know about it. Uh, I, you know, you just sort of said exactly what I've said to some people, like you hit it right on. Like when I was first playing, like we're going back 1990, this is a long time ago. Uh, there was a, and back then you could not play originals. You had to play covers. None of the bars, at least in Alberta and West Western Canada, none of the bars cared about originals they only wanted covers so you had to play covers and there was a c circuit a b circuit and an a circuit and um you kind of paid your dues but you knew what 
to do to get to that next level and and you knew what venues were that next level and so on uh, and you know just give you an example of like who is on that circuit is like age of electric was part of that yep. uh prior being age of electric they were called just electric and if you think of what band has an album called electric the cult so they pro- played a lot of cult songs and yeah. and so forth right um and, and Age of Electric was one of the bands that crossed over to doing originals that they were leaders in changing that. So then bands started being able to play originals in bars. Uh, but we all knew what we had to do to get to the next level. Nowadays, it's there's no real system, you know, like how do you even get an agent anymore as a, as a band? And, and what does that mean? You know, like it's somebody crazy. asked me a little while ago. I mean, and this is and this is just a question for the industry. This isn't a, a slight on anything or anything. But the question was, uh, what's the role of the agent now? Be, and I I'm I know some agents and it's changing all the time. Uh, I mean, we all, you know, a lot of the agents that were, I was, when I started in 94 are still doing it. So great, you know, awesome. But what is the new role of the agent? Because when you're coming through as an indie kid and you're trying to play, play shows, the idea was get an agent who would get you on to opening for age of electric, or they represented age of electric and they, you know, would bring in the new talent and work with the managers to break new talent. Um, and I just wonder what the new role of the agent is now. Agents are super crucial right now for I like getting to the point of getting an agent is one step, but then building up your value and moving up the priority list of their roster. Cause they'll have a roster and you start at the bottom of their roster and you got to move up. Um, agents are the gatekeepers. Agents are crucial. So for instance, if you think of it, um, Developing artists will often tour as an opening act for a priority artist on an agent's roster. Mm-hmm. So, because the agent just knows I'm going to bring this baby band up to a higher level, and basically their percentage is off the whole bill because it's all their artists. So they're not giving away to another one. And if they are, um, they may do a deal with a different agent and say, my band needs to play with this band on your roster, and I will take a band from yours and put it on with mine. So, so you know, as that emerging artist, like I remember back in the day coming up, I would go to a band and say, hey, could our band open for yours, and we might have a chance. But now if that band has an agent, there's almost no chance, and, like, the band doesn't necessarily have the right or ability to say who's going to open for us because the agents figured that out. Then on top of that, a lot of agents have the deals with the festivals. So a lot of the bigger festivals, like, like, you know, the festivals that are in a field like Coachella or anything like that, you know, it's dealing with the agents and, and they've got like, I know in Canada, for instance, they might do a package deal. Like, We've got this artist in your territory. We can give them to you at this price and so on. And then that that means like, I remember one year I saw July talk in almost every festival I went to. And I saw the Sheepdogs at every festival I went to. And you start seeing similar lineups and it's like, oh, they're moving those artists through territories across Canada as a package. So it's like festival in Alberta equals the same 
almost line up as festival in Ontario and, and so on. And, and then as an emerging artist, you're like, hey, can I get on that bill? No, all the slots are taken by the agents. So and I, I don't think that's harder. changed my, and the thing is, is that even at that point, you know, when I was doing shows back in 95, 96 or whatever, I was promoting shows. It was, Hey, you got to take this and this. And then I would get one spot for a local, which yeah. is fine. And half the time <laughs> I have to put my band on it. Cause that's the only way we could get those kind of shows. So it was like, <laughs> I'll take the tour and then I'll put us on to open up. So that was a lot of fun to be a part of, but then it was crucial in meeting agents and stuff. Um, now I, you see agents of all, all all kinds. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, if I can add one thing to that, though, is the agents are super smart. They're so good at what they do, and I really respect them for it. But where it's even harder is they've planned out farther in advance than what they were before. So right now, for instance, I believe it was last week, Sharon Osborne put out that she's booking Ozzy's next tour for 2022, because if she doesn't book it right now, there's not even going to be spots available for her to book. So well, she has to book it. scrambling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's how far in advance they are as well. Um, you, you know, in some of the festivals that I worked with in Europe or, or friends of, uh, they've already announced their lineup for October next year. And, and, and so that's, what's also really hard as an emerging artist is like, they let alone half the time don't know what they're doing in the next six months or as opposed to the next 48 months or, or sorry, 12, 24 months um, yeah. that they can't even like, by the time 2022 comes, they're like, Oh yeah, we need to do shows. It's like, no, we're booking 2024 now. So, so that's the thing is everybody has to think farther in advance right now and plan it out. Do bands still uh, look at, um, like like indie week is like you got to get in get in and be part of the whole thing you get part of the press that moves with it and all the rest of it um it was a great spot on all these to break acts or bands that were um they, these kind of festivals sometimes used to have the reputation of of a lot of the bands that were playing it 75% were already signed up to an agency and it was really just the break and it wasn't really traditional sense of indie it's like well why is that that band's already you know edge 102 is already they're already number 10 at edge 102 and obviously they got a thing but it's not really indie anymore because they've got a deal so there was a bit of a reputation of like they weren't fully indie right and and um it's funny since march since the world shut down um and now we're back to square one right now we're back to like yeah, we need, we need, we, you know, we need, we need to still be breaking bands somehow. We still need to have bands kind of do their thing. So has that changed for you from that, uh, from that regard? Um, even just your platform for this year coming up uh, from November to March. I mean, if you had to pivot it completely, I would guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, like we weren't going to run Indie Week this year at all. Like early days, like I think, uh, end of february or start of march we made an announcement this like we're going to pause this year because it's going to be too crazy and here we are it's really crazy and it's getting crazy like we're going back to lockdowns and all that kind of stuff um but what we saw about a month and a half in uh or two months in is that one uh people need connection and we saw the people in the industry uh starting to suffer 
and and they're looking for what's going to be next and how do we get there so so we thought it's much better for us to run and be a positive part of the community and moving forward two i also believe that there's actually more opportunity than ever before right now it's like we're all at the same level like some of the big stars are doing their own virtual live at home concerts on acoustic guitar just like the band down the street so there's kind of this leveling off where we're all the same right now and i, I can't tell you the number of zoom calls where it's like kids and pets are involved and things like that and you'd be like man back in the day you would get yelled at for something like that you know so so there's a bit more understanding a bit more compassion and humanity to it and i think that right now is the time to connect and you've got this great opportunity to connect internationally without having to pay for flights hotels meals and all that kind of stuff um now is the time like i literally was just before this on a conference in brazil that's happening right now called trends uh you know cd baby we had a panel uh, earlier today where our ceo was on and stuff like that so i'm connecting with people in brazil right now and i didn't have to go there um last week it was a webinar with korea uh another one was in new york i was on a panel in for new york so this this is a time to build massive audience without actually leaving your home and and i think this is a great opportunity when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, is it all online this year for Andy? Is everything, all, all the performances online? Yeah. So we're concentrating on the conference side this year hmm. and it is all online. And with artists, we're looking to do sort of more artist pitches and B2B sessions, connecting them directly to industry reps. So, you know, instead of that, we're in a hotel and there's a panel like really far away and four guys talk for a bit and then they leave. We're actually doing mentorship sessions and b2b sessions where artists can actually talk directly to professionals and and hopefully make a meaningful connection as well um and that's where we're at like i think this is actually a real exciting time because you know uh back in the day it was really hard to make those connections mm -hmm. and it was hard to build relationships and it's um, funny because now you've got them locked on a computer screen they can't walk to the next room that that's it like how many times do you see those panels and the, the panelists start running out as soon as they can yeah, uh, right absolutely. after it it's the funniest so. thing uh so uh cd baby now yeah. uh we've been hearing about it for a lot of years um just for the um just break down the the, the prominent role of cd baby i mean i know you've taken on a, a bunch of different um things you guys have had to pivot in different kinds of media but cd baby what is cd baby all right. So uh, CD Baby, we're basically an online distributor for independent DIY artists. Um, we also have a publishing administration level. So it's called Pro. 
and uh, basically we could administer the rights of the artist so that we collect royalties globally for the artist. Uh, saves them a lot of time and hassle. Uh, sometimes, you know, the amount of it takes to just sign up and manage your accounts and all that could take a ton of time. Um, and basically the artists retain complete rights to their songs, their music. Um, and it's just a way that artists can get their music out globally and collect royalties uh, much easier than it sure was when I was an artist. That's for sure. Are bands still making albums and selling, or is it uh, just sort of, we've got a record for you to buy, but we know you're probably going to download it or you're down or you're going to subscribe to iTunes or Spotify. It's going to be up there. Um, I've heard, some bigger artists say, what's the point of making records right now? Let's just put out one song every three months. And then that's just the way it's going to go. So is that happening with CD baby Are people making full records right now? Uh, yes. Like, so that's one thing to think our name CD baby, Mm -hmm. uh, we're digital distributors. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do do uh warehouse, uh, distribution of CDs still for artists that still use that platform. Um, So is CD sales down compared to before? Yes. In some niches and certain markets, they're still strong and steady. Um, So for instance, I would say in Western Alberta, country music fans, they'll buy CDs Mm -hmm. for sure. hundred percent. Folk music fans tend to buy CDs. Uh, I was at Folk Alliance in New Orleans earlier this year. It was the last conference I was able to attend. And their CDs are still pretty big in that type of market. So I think it's an understanding of who your audience is and who your market is. Um, and, and right now what I'm seeing in Canada is people are willing to support these bands that are struggling by buying something right now. So, yes, like right now is still a viable source of income if that's your market are you pushing are you allowed to push a medium like from the standpoint of like we don't think you should make records now you should do this this is your best way to maximize income this is the best way to maximize your brand do you obviously offer that service but do you shy away from certain things or and recommend your clients to go a certain way to try to give it the best shot yeah, like so we've got a DIY podcast and a DIY blog, which is all about uh, tips, tricks, and strategies, also what tools to use. Um, obviously, the international market is online, and uh, that's the way to go. So again, CD Baby, we're digital distributors. We do sell CDs if artists want it through mm-hmm. Warehouse, but it's it's a pretty small level compared to what it used to be for sure. Um I usually do a talk on how to do a release strategy for a DIY artist. Uh, there's a lot of tips and tricks, you know, like I tell artists that if you're, if you have one song, you should have about five versions of it. So an acoustic version, a single version, which in the old days we would call radio edit, which usually means no guitar solos. And then you have the long version with guitar solos and all the extra stuff. Uh, But nowadays, a big one is features. So if you collaborate with somebody and they remix your song, you could have their name associated with it. Uh, Or if you have somebody else sing on it, 
which is easy to do now, um, you get their audience and your audience exposed to the music. Um, and then uh, I often say do an acoustic version. And I also say do an uh, instrumental version where you literally just hit mute on the vocals. And the reason for that is if there's a sync and license opportunity, they almost always want an instrumental with the full version. And it has to match exactly because they like mixing it in and out and it's sounding exactly the same. Uh, so often producers are like, oh, no vocals, let me fix it for you. And no, it's got to be exactly the same. Just hit mute, put it out, and then uh, that's that's a good option for sync, like getting placed in film and TV and things like that. Is that an easier place to be now? It used to be so, like, you needed a publishing deal, uh, at least from the mid-90s when I remember coming through. It was it, There was a level, as we talked about, it was like, get it here, get it here, get the song yeah. out, get the publishing deal, record deal, sure, but publishing deal was very important to go after TV and film and all the rest of it. I just did a private performance for an artist, uh, oversaw sort of a, a zoom performance for, you know, um, a major movie studio who was going to sync that artist into, you know, 10 different kinds of film. And, um, it seems like that's a crazy way right now, more than ever, or an easier way now for artists to get on the radar. Absolutely. It's, it's easier than ever before. Not, not easy to get selected, but easier to at least be part of the game. And so like CD baby, we have a service, we have a whole sync and license team. Uh, so if the artist agrees to be allowed to be put into our database for that side of things, like, like you just got to click off a couple things. Um, and meaning that, uh, music supervisors, the one thing that they like is to be able to do the deal super quick. Mm-hmm. Like there's times where it's like, do you have this? And I need it in an hour. And, and it, what they mean too, is they need to have the rights cleared to use it in an hour. So, uh, I've seen a deal where we asked an artist or this is before CD baby, but I asked an artist about it. And they're like, Oh, I got to talk to the the bassist. Uh, he wrote part of it. Uh, I'm like, I need to know now. Cause there's thousands of other bands wanting to take this. So music supervisors need to be able to just get the answer quickly. And so CD Baby, we actually have a database search and it's really intensive. It's crazy. You could be like, I want a song that sounds like it's from the fifties. That is uh, 111 beats per minute in the key of a minor and it'll, it'll find it. Right. Uh, And, you know, like uh, we've done some pretty amazing things. So like the last round of Stranger Things, we had an artist place. I think it was like three songs in it and they're just an independent artist. And it happened to be music that sounded like it's from the 80s. And so it's in Stranger Things. Uh, So. So, yeah, it's it's basically music supervisors are looking at catalogs of music now online. where before you had to know the music supervisor and you couldn't because there was no email address. There was only a phone number, but they wouldn't give it out. And so, yeah, so it's super, I would not super easy. It's way easier than it was in the past for sure. The desk of CDs no longer exists. The EPKs (laughs) and the, the electronic press kits that we all spent so much money on to get into the mailroom <laughs> so just to get on the radar we played yeah. four shows with i mother earth 
all that. Play yeah. us on the radio. Like, you know, we played seven shows with the Tea Party. I mean, obviously you're on an agent's radar by that point, but just a funny, funny thing. But that struggle was like, and it led to my next question about uh, the ease of, of the, the business now. So we talked about the levels before, but it was like a, a structured out almost system to break an act. Exactly. And today, uh, I, I mean, I, I watch a lot of live shows. I'm not on the management side or even tour managing side anymore where you would see, you know, the, the process, but I do deal with a lot of managers. I do deal with a lot of agents from what I do now from running concerts all over the place. <laughs> um, but daily, it almost seems like every single day it changes. And am I wrong on that? Because before it was like, just follow these 20 steps. And if it doesn't happen after those 20 steps, you're probably out. Now it's yep. like you got a thousand steps to try. You know what? You're yeah, 100% right. And I think, you know, um, another big part of our industry is, is that's come to light is our mental health. And I think as a result of... Uh, like there's this feeling I haven't done enough today and oh I, I haven't posted enough on social or I haven't got enough likes back on social I haven't got en enough engagement I oh I should be remixing I should be writing like now it's almost like because there's no structure I think a lot of people just feel like they've never they haven't done enough yet right. they, they haven't either completed tasks or they haven't achieved their goals uh, and, and it's a, how do you even measure, am I even moving forward? <laughs> like it, I've done all this stuff. Has it even made a dent in anything? And, oh, that guy, he's got thousands of plays. Why? <laughs> you know, like, so, so I think, I think it's, it's, um, a thing that we have to sort of address and put to light and, and sort of go, it's okay to be at this level as long as you're, putting your own structure together and you can measure are you improving or not and how to change it and i think uh, there's this is a big part you know kind of tying back to indie week and cd baby it's a huge reason why we do education and focus on education so much is that we're trying to give the tools to the artists that they can learn how to run their own business and how to be successful um and success doesn't necessarily mean I'm driving a sports car and have a mansion. It means I can have a career. I can monetize and have an ongoing career. Um, you know, that that's a huge reason why I've done Indie Week over the years is educating and connecting, uh, and even more so now. Um, we've, do, we've actually... I'm busier than ever. It's crazy. We went from having no festival this year to we're doing a free online session every week, every Tuesday. It's called Indie Weekly. Really creative title there. Um, but we've built in two months a loyal audience that comes back. And they've said, some of them have said to me in personal messages, I look forward to this every week. And, and it's that community building. And we also have launched a mentorship program and we're running it right now with SEMA, uh, Canadian Independent Music Association, uh, educating artists on how to be export ready. And it's kind of weird. People are like export ready when we can't travel. I'm like, man, I've been online around the world almost every day since this has started, yeah. you know, and then we're doing the conference on top of it. So um, 
education, education, education right now is a way to figure out a structure and a plan for an artist, I think. Which comes back down to working hard. And really, at the end of the day, I've always been a proponent of, of talent wins. Um, yes. But talent also means how hard you're going to work at it. And we've heard the 10,000 hour rule and all the rest of it. Now, to me, it's it's maybe it's 20,000 hours to, of research to just start on hour one of trying to break yourself because it's really crazy watching an artist. But I'm amazed when, you know, you see the rise of an artist, um, but they seem to be mini rises and I'll, I know you got to go, but I just, they seem to be mini rises. So you, you kind of get this, like the band can do five nights at the Commodore and then it's over. They're at the Biltmore. And yeah. then it's like the bands, the band can come uh, along. And this is my big fear about the industry and, and where radio was, propping up artists and kind of like breaking artists back in the day there is a hit and run thing that's happening that i'm a little worried about which is i don't i don't see the next generation of arena acts and i still even with all of the arena and stadium shows and stuff that i'm doing right now one out of every 10 artists i well, I mean, the ones I'm working with are arena and stadium acts, but then you get support acts and you get some, I'm only seeing one out of every 10 support acts where I'm like, that thing could go the rest of the time. It's like, you know, and it's a bit worrisome because it's a bit of a hit and run mentality with, with listeners, the mm-hmm. listeners like you for the, you know, and, and I'm a little bit, I'm a little worried about that. You know, I've been sort of saying this for a few years, um, Partly like, you know, I did work for Live Nation as a freelancer for like eight, nine years. Um, and, and you know, like I remember when Polestar released some of their stats uh, earlier this year, late last year, and uh, looking at sort of like the top 100 touring artists. Uh, and you look at number like top 10 and I'm like, Rolling Stones, Madonna, U2, Elton John, The Eagles. I'm like, okay, well that's 50% of top 10 and none of them, almost all of them are even from when I was a kid or earlier. Yeah. I, and, and, uh, uh, Tom Petty was still on there. Like, so even he hit Tom top 10 for that small time he toured or whatever. Right. And, and so, um, uh, I think it was Bruno Mars was on there and he was like, wow, there's one new artist. Uh, there might've been one other. And I think that was Adele. Right. And, the and over the part, last five years, you've got Drake in there. You've got, you know, yeah. some of the bigger, you know, bigger ones that have come come around. But the uh, the old uh, the rock from a rock standpoint, it's tight. The country still seems to be doing well. But yeah, well, this is this was out of everybody. And I yeah. got to also mention Metallica and ACDC were on yeah. there. Right. Yeah. And, and so but the other part was the top part of the list is like hundreds of millions. And then by the time, like, and this is in the top 10, when you get down to around eight, it's at 20 million or 40 million. It's like, that's a drastic drop, right? And you're trying to look at where's the new artists in the, in the whole top 100 list. So I was sort of thinking this exact same thing is like, you know what? Those artists at that level in 10 years are not going to be touring. That's how much money is going to be lost or taken out of live touring for the bigger promoters. And so this is where agents come into play and promoters come into play. They have to look at the next wave. They have to develop the next wave so that they can stay in business 
that's just makes perfect logic sense. And, and it's a lot of money to like, you know, you two can come to town and sell out the biggest stadium two nights in a row. That is a lot of money. And as a promoter agent, you want to replace that as your next level artist coming up. Cause you know, you can't keep these artists forever. And, and uh, you know, with things going digital, like Metallica just did a drive-in concert. They went to a location, recorded a set. That's it. They no touring, no nothing. And it was in a like, it was in like hundreds of drive-ins. So then you have to start thinking, will those artists really be motivated to spend four years on the road again, slogging it out? Or, hey, I would, you know, went to a place, played a set, and I went home. And it beamed out to like hundreds of drive-ins and guaranteed that's going to be on Netflix next year. And the, the, there's so many more new revenue models that can come out of it. Um the one thing that you said, though, that's interesting is I, I've been watching, like, there's three generations going on right now. Old school, which is like, man, I can hardly wait for live concerts back. And it's like, well, I don't think they're going to go back to what they were, at least not for a couple of years. Um, and then there's the kids. Like, I watch my girlfriend's kids. They're, like, 8 and 11 or between 9 and 11. And they watched uh, Diplo on Fortnite. Do a DJ set for 20 minutes. 20 minutes, that's it. And during the 20 minutes, he had five guests. (laughs) Crammed them in there. And millions of people tuned in. Like, not thousands, millions. Like, for 20 minutes, you can hit millions. Just imagine the sponsorship dollars that could take place, the royalties that could be collected, you know, I guaranteed somebody like a live nation might be looking at that more seriously, um, knowing that the stadium model may not be what it used to be uh, coming back. So it's going to be a weird five years, I'd say. It is. And a lot of people, though, are working hard, though, to make it uh, um, come back in some capacity. And we all want it to come back regardless of, um, I, I mean, I still think there's nothing that will replace the live music experience. Um, exactly. Before I let you go, um, is there, um, just one more thing on, on Indie Week. Um, what is the biggest success story out of Indie Week as far as artist wise? Has somebody broke out of there that you're like, holy shit, look at what happened after they played our festival. Well, I'd say like there's artists that we had first, like Walk Off the Earth. Right. And I had I had to fight to get them on that show. It was hilarious. It was a guitar it was a Gibson guitar showcase. And they're like, Well, they're not a Gibson artist. I'm like, Yeah, but we wanna have them because guaranteed they're gonna go. And sure enough, three months later they put out a video and uh went huge. Uh prior to that we also had Rival Sons and uh they played like cherry colas one of the smaller venues but great rock bar uh we had them play i think i think we had them play every night because they're so good and sure enough they've they've done really quite well for themselves um you know and it's interesting like toronto is always had artists that come out of here you know so like even on musician side um like dan Cantor. uh he was in a band called Avenue road. I'm not sure if they played Indie week, but I, like around that time, it's all a, kind of a blur that year. Uh, but he's like Justin Bieber's uh, 
music director. Uh, Ricky Tilo was uh, uh, Lady Gaga's music director. Uh, Dana, Donna Granty, her she was played in a band for us, and she became uh, guitarist for Prince. So a lot of musicians, like like it's almost like Toronto is this hotbed, and you've got to be good, like you have to be good. But often the case, you end up going elsewhere, mm-hmm. the states, uh, to make a career, and uh, that's just part of the game. It seems like these days. I got to see Donna play with Prince in uh, Vancouver. I did the last four shows of Prince in Vancouver a couple of years ago, and when he had uh, the girls, and it was killer, man. It was awesome. So she's amazing. She, she was in a band called Shasta Jade, and uh, back then you knew something was going to happen. Like she just blew the roof off the place every time she played. Tell us about any week uh, this week, dates, times, where people can find it all online, and uh, we'll get it out to as many people as we can to make sure they tune in, uh, whether they're in a band or not. I think it's in, it's crucial if you know uh, a musician, a friend that's in a band, anything that can press this business forward and help it uh, come out of this you know lull that we're in, uh, as many eyes on Indie Week as possible would be great. So tell us uh, all about that, my friend. Yeah, so it's going to be online November 10th to the 14th, jam-packed schedule. Uh, We've got, uh, well, CD Baby CEO Tracy Maddox is a keynote on the first day, really talking about the direction of the industry and where it's going. Uh, Throughout the week, we've got speakers from Song Trust Publishing, uh, Bandzoogle, Show.co for marketing. And we also have international focuses. So we actually are working on different territories like Asia Pacific, Central Europe, Eastern Europe, UK, Ireland, Latin America, and Mexico, where we're going to have speakers talking about how it's in their market right now and how artists can start penetrating that market and how do we how do they get a start? Uh, and then we've got B two B sessions, so you can talk to all these reps directly. Uh, we've got mentorships. Uh, Bandwagon is going to be part of it. Uh, we're we're actually giving away mentorships to artists, Amazing. you know, so, so education connection, and then a uh, really big message is diversity, inclusion, um, and mental health. Like we are so wrapped up in the business side so much. And we know historically uh, about an artist kind of like giving up so much of themselves, putting them out there that we need to take care of them. And, and artists can be a bit fragile, especially during this time. So uh, mental health is a big aspect as well. Very much. Uh, I'm a big proponent of it. And uh, Music Heals and, and um, our, our um, industry supports each other greatly in this, in this time. And hopefully our listeners here and everyone that uh, can tune in any week and, and learn something, support a great cause. Um, Daryl, I love what you're doing. I think it's so crucial. And I love the fact that you've pivoted here. That's the word of the year uh, to being able to take this online and still offering the service to people to get educated. Um and um, I, I appreciate the time that you made today to come on, man. And I'm happy to uh, put this out to as many people as I can and uh, get it out there for you, man. So Awesome. Thank you so much. And if I could just say, uh, go to IndieWeek.com, I-N-D-I-E-W-E-E-K.com. And uh, tickets are on sale. There's attendee and delegate. Delegate allows you access to everything. Attendee just means I just want to show up and watch. Uh, but the one thing to note is we're supporting Unison Benevolent Fund this year which is a fund and support system for anyone in the music business, whether you're an artist, 
or manager label, even if you work in the mail room, uh, they've got hotlines for help for mental health. Uh, they've provided funding for artists that are in real need during this time. So uh, if you are purchasing a ticket at the checkout, we're taking donations of like up to $5. Uh, we're just helping to raise money for this cause as well. How much uh, for just a, the, a regular person that's not in the music industry, but wants to attend the festival online, what's that cost them? Uh, depending on the timing, we're at early bird stage right now. So I think it's like 20 bucks. Uh, and I think it as we get closer, it gets a little bit more. So I think it'll be 30 bucks max. So uh, the Unison Fund helped me out, actually. And uh, they were a big, uh, a big uh, help for me during a time when obviously I lost my work and everything and, and, and going through. So um, one of the things I've been trying to figure out is how to reappropriate those funds in a way like, you know, that'll help me and, but also help others. So what I want, I want to do is I'm going to take uh, the donation amount. I'm going to take uh 10% of, of that donation fund that they gave to me. And I'm going to buy five spots for anyone that wants to join Indie Week to check it out and learn something uh, to give back a bit. So um, just so you know, I, I'm a huge proponent of what you're doing and I want to help in any way we can. So thanks to Unison Fund for helping me. Hopefully I can help a couple of people jump on and learn something about the music industry and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate it. Wow, man. Thank you so much. That's an amazing gesture. Thank you. Awesome, man. Everyone go check it out. Uh, this is the Brenton on tour still in quarantine cast uh, with Daryl Hurst <laughs> and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.